0: Good afternoon, or good morning, or good evening, wherever you are in the world. Uh, I'm Alan Burkett-Grey, and I'm editor-at-large with Capacity Media. Uh, and it's my pleasure to welcome you to our second 20-minute WAN Wednesday. Last week, we heard from Greg Bryan of Telegeography, and you can still hear Greg online, a uh, very interesting presentation about the future of WAN and SD-WAN. Uh, next week's WAN Wednesday, at the same time next Wednesday, Uh, is with Experio. But today, I'm very delighted, I'm delighted to welcome Margaret Sauger, and she's DP of Sales, America's Enterprise at PCCW Global. Uh, Margaret's going to be uh, taking us through a case study. Now, I'm in London. Margaret is based just outside Washington, D.C., and you, our listeners, are all around the world. So welcome to you all. Margaret, welcome to One Wednesday. Uh, Now, you're going to take us through a real case study of a project that PCCW Global has built for a customer. Can you tell us about it, please?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So first and foremost, just to chime in, welcome to everyone as well. What um, I wanted to do today is go through a use case of an SD-WAN deployment that probably touched on every imaginable element of complexity. Uh, so wanted to kind of step right through what did we face, what challenges, what solutions, etc. A little less technical, but more so from the overall journey perspective. Let me first introduce you to this particular uh, use case. It was it it is rather a transferred food and payment solution provider. It is within the bucket of what we call emerging industries, uh, relatively new companies So they've been around since 2014. Within those few short years, they've experienced a rapid growth. So at the time that we started talking to them, they had already gotten to the size of 70 locations in 10 countries Um, And that continued at a rapid pace, and and today still continues. While they were setting up this network, they really drove this hard on Internet access, um, but using a lot of premise-based solutions, such as a Cisco Meraki and some other devices that were all premise-based. Then from an infrastructure perspective, I mentioned all internet, and that could have been dual links at a location or even single-threaded for some of the smaller locations. Based on what this company does in uh, transport, uh, so ride shares, I should say, their food and payment solutions, it's all very much cloud-driven. So that's kind of the landscape that they were working within.
0: So can you say maybe something about, Without, uh, without saying too much about the client, where you know the sort mm-hmm. of scope, because you had a, a wonderful map I looked at yesterday when we were talking about this. Uh, it is a very wide, wide um, range for this operation, isn't it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Because as I mentioned, if they're in ten countries, yeah. um, it got it, this is all Asia. Pack related So they're headquartered out of Singapore. They have operations all over Southeast Asia and then also locations in um, mainland China. So from a geography point of view, there were a couple of challenges that popped up right away because if you deal within one territory, I think you have a lot of control. Say it's just North America, there tends to be a density of network of infrastructure uh, versus spreading this out globally where you're going to run into countries where your internet might not be as stable or where you have um, more controlled environments. So how do you incorporate that and still allow for this growth of your organization? And so you've,
0: you've got to, ex- to take different approaches for different countries, I guess, depending on who the local provider is.
1: Right, right, exactly. Um, you've got diversity to keep in mind to see what, what's the best solution uh, in a given particular company, uh, country, sorry, country. Mm. But also, is Internet always the most suitable option? So as we started looking and working with this particular customer, we started taking considerations of um, what would be best. And that's the beauty of that SDN as a whole has presented to, to us as a company because we are also um, a telco. So we have an IP and a fiber and a satellite backbone. So that gives multiple flavors and varieties that we can work with. So we know from experience that as we started looking at this, that for example, in China, maybe we should balance some MPLS in there that would be more robust and set up to get them back to their cloud operations, which the central node is Singapore-based. Uh, So the diagram, and for those listening in, they can look at this uh, attachment and the links later. What it then depicts is that we got three different flavors of approach. So all locations, we decided we wanted to have a high availability solution. So there will be dual access in every one of these sites. And that could be a one MPLS link, and an Internet, so both active-active, two times Internet, or one-time Internet and a 4G or LTE backup. And those would be more the smaller locations that are just more of a field office uh, setup. From there... Um, The beauty of uh, SD-WAN, obviously, is that the routing will choose the best available path. So that gets into our uh, SD-WAN overlay network. So it will either take an Internet route or, in in other cases, an MPLS route. It's all private IP backbone. And from there, we get to AWS. And, Alan, we were chatting about Mm. this before. Um, We were talking about, you know, how... Dependent they are on cloud access via, in this case, AWS. And the way they were setting it up is that they had multiple connections that they had to manage um, getting into AWS, which doesn't become scalable. The hmm. so one big driving topic here becomes the scalability.
0: You mean when they start, they don't necessarily know how big it's going to be, how wide it's got to reach, and so on. It's got to, right. They've got to build in that scalability right at the beginning. Yeah. Well look into
1: the future. Right. I mean if you think about it, when they went from two thousand fourteen to now, that is what six short years already Mm -hmm. up to seventy locations, uh, with a limited IT staff. So all those elements factor in on how do you make this more scalable? Uh we had a lot of premise based Mm -hmm. setups. That, we haven't even touched on that yet, but how do you manage that as you're almost doubling offices year over year? Um, so the first decision was kind of taking what you have, take a bucket of what will be best suited with an MPLS internet combo, two internets, or an internet 4G LTE combo. So that's just an infrastructure level then from there, also making the decision where do we want to place a cloud um, firewall situation scenario, because not all these locations have the IT resources or the ability to keep premise-based firewalls firewalls current and up to date. I mean, is,
0: there, is this for things like um, LTE, is there a sort of minimum speed that they need to have, or um, you know, what are the what are the minimum criteria? Because you know, LTE can yeah. sometimes. I've got something like on a good day, 40 megs on my phone, but sometimes it's not really very good. <laughs> <laughs> and that's good Isn't for the definitely. UK. That's good for London. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you know, even in the US, we, we are challenged in that regard mm. at times. Um, yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely so, right. so you absolutely yeah. right. The locations where we're running with the 4G LTE as a backup, um, it's It's not even an active active situation. it's only truly for backup, and that will be at the best available uh bandwidth for that area so even if we can just a you know have a keep alive status, that was decided to be sufficient and that could be as low as a meg uh just to have a stay alive signal at those locations yeah, just keep it ticking over right <laughs> yeah um yeah exactly so I already touched on, you know, from an infrastructure point of view, uh, we had to kind of make different buckets of which location fits where. Mm. Then from there, you, they looked at visibility. Uh, as they were putting this together, it just, the team at this, the customer site was like, "Oh my God, we don't have a full view of our infrastructure. There was no clarity in who was providing uh, which services at which location, what was the performance, their uptimes. So it was just not manageable. Uh, so." Many solutions already have a portal, but again, with the SD-WAN, it becomes a more intelligent portal that keeps that inventory, that shows them the performance, that can, they can make changes in a more centralized fashion. I'm sure that's the feedback that you, you get in the market quite a bit, right? Is yeah. people scale to larger organizations, just managing inventory is, is there.
0: And you have to be maximally flexible, I guess. And what happens if the, chief marketing officer says oh we're going to open an office in in this new city we've never had one before suddenly you guys are supposed to magic up a, a network to it within i don't know how long
1: and now there's a methodology that has been created yeah okay we, It was a very painstaking, long process to divvy up the information of where, what type of office, what's the ideal infrastructure, um, and then take into account the geography that we were dealing with. You know a singapore environment is going to be very different than a cambodia environment so how do you mirror that with a large geographic scope and we see this with other customers in other parts of the world whether that's in africa or the middle east there are nuances that are just not a one size fit all and that takes a design team on our end and, and the customers end to really stick their heads together. Um, and figure it out. Part of this process what what we were able to do as well and I, I would encourage all customers to follow this is setting up a demo environment. Um, you know, not just for the engineers to, to get their engineering hat on and tinker with it, but also from an operational point of view, from a finance overview, doesn't meet all the criteria on a platform level that you're seeking for and the controls that you need in your network environment. Mm. So you've got but to that. got to persuade
0: the people with the money is that the client end mm-hmm. that this is a this is a valid resilient Offering that you're making to them.
1: Absolutely. And, and that mm. was a, a major stopping point with this customer where we had worked out all the technical elements and of course then come the commercials <laughs> and the finance was like, well, hold, hold the moment here. Uh, we thought SD-WAN was going to be cheaper and we hear as every day. It is not <laughs> about being cheaper. It's about scalable, resilient, secure, robust, and with that come savings in other areas that you do have to factor in, not just on that one invoice and what's the bottom line there.
0: Right. So the savings come elsewhere, the, the network costs, the, the system costs, maybe a bit more because it'll do a lot more, it's got security, it's got flexibility. The savings come, where would the savings come?
1: Resource-wise. Right. Okay. Um, If you think about how they had to have a lot of their resources dedicated on maintaining the current infrastructure, trying to run these updates on firewalls, trying to figure out what's wrong with a particular location. Now, those same resources now are going to be available to do more high-level work. Um, a company like this continues to morph. Most industries do, right? They continue to morph with their technology needs in different areas, different requirements. And you want that expertise to be applied there, not on those manual day-to-day tasks.
0: And and how is the client now? Are they they happy with what they've got?
1: Several oh, years gosh, down I the hope line. So.
0: <laughs> right. Okay. And <laughs> sure. um, I'm still with you, right? <laughs>
1: still with us. Thank
0: you, Margaret. Now I'm just going to say very much thank you for you're based in you're based in, in the US. What challenges have you had from coronavirus? Your team and you personally.
1: Well, uh, the challenge is on a personal level, obviously, for everyone with a change circumstances. Um, Our jobs, fortunately, have always been driven to be in full play, regardless of where we are. I'm typically Mm. on the road more than 50% of the time. Uh, Working remote, in and by itself, um, that's not as much a challenge. Um, It is more right now that we assist our customers with um, some fire drill demands on on IP in order to accommodate Mm. their remote force. Mm.
0: Um,
1: But the day-to-day, in in some regards, hasn't changed for us, um, but certainly on a personal level, it has had a big impact.
0: So personally, at the moment, you're spending most of your time working from home?
1: I'm afraid so, with a high school kid and a college kid uh, running right, a muck yeah. in the house.
0: <laughs> okay. Right. Okay. So this is my question. We, we decided that we would ask a, a weird WAN Wednesday question at the end of each WAN Wednesday. So this is my question, what's the strangest thing you currently have in your fridge at home?
1: Wow. Okay. That is a wacky <laughs> Wednesday kind of question.
0: Yep, exactly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> now I gotta think because I actually don't do the grocery shopping in our house. Uh, okay. So it was a challenge to know what's in my fridge. I would say probably one of my daughters who is always buying some odd things. Mm. Hmm. He got me stumped. Okay.
0: <laughs> well, I can add. I can add. What's the weirdest thing in our fridge at home? Uh, my wife is a, a, is an artist. Um, and paints icons and one of the elements of she makes some paint from egg white so she has egg tempera in the fridge in a little bottle and we have to make sure we don't think oh that's a useful egg white we can put in an omelette or something no that's jones mixture for her (laughs) next batch of paint so i can add a weird (laughs) you have
1: a good answer to it i'm pretty confident everything in my fridge is edible Good. (laughs) Good. There isn't anything in there to shy away from.
0: (laughs) Margot Saga, I'm really grateful. This has been a good 20-minute WAN Wednesday conversation. Thank you very much. Just to remind everybody, if you go to our website for the WAN summits, you will find a link to our conversation, and you'll also find a a link to the telegeography conversation last week. And next Wednesday at the same time, which is uh, 2.15 UK time, wherever that might be in the world's 10:15 uh, uh, East Coast time, and so on. You do the maths. Um, you can hear Experio, who will also be talking about their uh, experience with WAN and some of their challenges with SD-WAN that they've had. So thank you very much indeed, Margaret. It's really good to talk thank
1: to you. you. Thank, thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye.